All right, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. This is Bilal Zaidi. We've got our boys, NAO boys in the house. What's happening? Jack Butcher, Visualized Value Founder and Trung Fan, Right at the Hustle and the King Meme Artist on Twitter. Yo, All right, boys. I had, a, I had a banger this week. I don't know if you guys saw that. I got on a banger Twitter? on the Apple You've been for the cricket, yeah. The cricket guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Later. I want. All right, all right. I want to hear the, the cricket thing before we do. I want to chat to Trung about something in a second. But real quick, let's let people know what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, today we got some philosophical stuff coming up um, on the edge of the internet. We're going to talk about NFT communities. We're going to talk about Mirror. We're going to give a Toad update. Uh, cryptos. If you were following from last episode. Um, Jack's been stirring the pot a little bit with this duplicate thing, uh, which he'll explain in a minute. And we're going to do a little roundup of what's been going on in a week with Miami Coin, OpenSea Insider Trading, and some stuff on Apple. But before we do that, Trung, I want to hear what the hell happened, mate. You were telling us earlier you you got your car towed. What happened, mate? Yeah, man. I don't know. Uh, have you guys ever had your cars towed? I don't. No. I, I don't think I have. I don't it's, think I have. To be it fair, is, but it's the worst. It's the worst, right? Like. So you go in, you're having enjoying a meal with your family. And, and you know how like parking signs, you have to go down the street and it's just not clear where you can park. Like the city puts on like, they put signs over signs if there's like a, a temporary no parking. You guys see, you live in New York, man. The stuff yeah, is yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's so, annoying. Um, uh, the, uh, the funny thing about this, I'll tell you why this story is funny is because, so I go outside, my car is gone and the, your, your immediate instinct isn't even, hey, God, Jack is like, okay, I got towed, right? It's just like, nobody goes and you see your car machine, you're like, oh, my car got jacked. It's like, my car got towed. And then you, you got you to search for the, walk around the block, see where the freaking, where they're going to tow you. They always have a sign. It's like, if we take your car, it's going to end up here. And so like, I have to jump in a cab to go to the, the lot. It's like 45 minutes away. And what's funny is that the entire time you're in this cab ride, you're just, you're thinking about what you're gonna say to the to the towing guys, right? You you come up with all these scenarios where you're gonna like yell at them, curse in their face, and just be like, "Oh, you guys are effing idiots! This is so dumb." So what happens? I show up there. I'm fired up. I've been I've been in this 30, 45 minute car ride, ruminating about what I'm gonna do to these tow truck guys. You get there. I walk to the counter. Three hundred pound dude, tattoos up to <laughs> like a neck tattoo. <laughs> Neck tattoo, full Jesus. arm tattoo, dude's just jacked up. And everything you thought about for 45 minutes, you roll in there and you're just like, hey man, where can I pay? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's straight. The Mr. Polite trunk comes yeah, out. Just don't just the total Canadian, right? All these fake scenarios that you have in your head. You roll up to this dude, you look at it, you, you glance at it for one millisecond, Damn brave. you apologize. Hey man, I'm so sorry. I should have looked at the signs, I made your life harder. <laughs> What is it? What do I owe? I'll pay double. I'll pay double. <laughs> no, I just find it funny, man. It's just I know, man. That's no, no, it's the classic, worst, man. I mean, think about think about the type of uh, personalities that uh, car towing selects for, and uh, because you got to take people's cars. You thought right? about you, this a lot, dude. Yeah, you're gonna be <laughs> that was a long car ride, dude, bro. You're gonna be in some confrontational things, right? Like. Like I wouldn't be able to tow people's cars for a living because the dude's like, Hey man, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh yeah, you, you know, you ran the meter. He's like, no, I want my car. I'm like, okay, man, you can have your car back. <laughs> but like for you to like tell this guy, no, like you got, I'm not, I'm not even saying it's in a negative way. It's like, you have to have a very particular type of personality to be like, 
if you're taking somebody's whip and then they're like giving you beef you're saying no i'm, I'm out of here it's like a bouncer man you gotta yeah, exactly, be up right? for the confrontation dude every time you say toad i'm just having ptsd again from uh, last week so <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> no, tell a... us why man <laughs> well yeah because we well if people have listened to last episode cryptodes uh was the the nft project that jack really broke down and all week I was trying it out, man. I was going on OpenSea late at night, like on my Chrome browser on my phone, <laughs> coming back to my Mac at like <laughs> 1 a.m. trying to like make the most of the gas fees being lower. It's been a been a wild wait, one. Wait, so, so wait, so right now, are you taking an L? Do you own a Toad? No, I I did get one, but I got one probably like seven, eight times higher than the original price that we talked about last week. But okay. like, yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see how Jack it goes. will tell you, man. It's gonna. I mean, well, Jack's not gonna tell you this. <laughs> I will tell you this. Not investment advice, but uh, I mean, listen, man. If you're here to flip Bilal, you're gonna get burned. If you're yeah, a long-term, we- high conviction investor. Why are you even looking, buddy? <laughs> Why are you looking at the daily price charts? It's on, ridiculous. Bro. Yeah, I know. Lock it away. All right. So, boys, let's get st- straight into this, man. Because, um, Jack, you shared this in the Telegram group, um, this Mirror article. We're going to talk about what Mirror is in a little bit, but it was all about NFT communities. Um, so, we've talked about tangentially on the podcast, like being in the Board Ape one, um and then also like the cryptos one you were saying you were seeing all this interesting stuff so what was this about kind of what what was the the summary of that sure so um let's not rely on the screen share here but basically i am a part of a group called dark star dow a couple guys i met on twitter who are great writers much more talented writers than i am but um i contributed illustrations to these pieces that they've been writing on web3 so the transition from web2 to web3 They've done three or four, uh, maybe actually a few more than that, but I've been contributing for that long. And the one they published this week, the headline is, today's Web3 communities are the McMansions of the internet, which is obviously a provocative headline. Okay, well, here, here, hold on, hold on a second. Explain, I mean, you're, wait, first of all, Jack, you're in Atlanta right now, right? I am. Okay, there's a lot of McMansions in Atlanta. That's true. <laughs> can you can you tell people what a McMansion is and then what the uh, insinuation with these uh, communities are? Why is it provocative? So McMansion, obviously, the implication there c- comes from the uh, very successful, widely scaled fast food restaurant McDonald's. <laughs> so producing things at scale, producing things at scale that are not necessarily up to the highest of qualities in the given category in terms of uh, ingredients. So That's such a good explanation. So <laughs> maybe in, in terms of a domicile, that means, uh, I mean, we need a visual here really, but kind of copy and paste. Yeah. Copy and paste cookie cutter, like built at scale, um, you know, real regard for, culture or um you know the surrounding area it's just like let's find this templated thing and just chuck it down and get somebody to live in there right and yeah. on paper there you know they, they get the job done and there's you know plenty of plenty of reasons why people choose to live in what would be called a mcmansion but the comparison being made in this article is that you know you people are developing these places destinations on the internet and you're kind of naming a subdivision and then you're just trying to get people to live there right but the 
thing that makes a community thrive is kind of the opposite of that. It's the bakery, the coffee shop, the artists, the, you know, the people that connect the community together, the activities that happen in the community. So um, the comparison that's being made or the sort of uh, analogy is that these 10,000 derivative projects that have happened since we've been discussing, I mean, CryptoPunks is 2017. Board Apes is probably, you know, a second just in terms of mindshare in NFT avatar community world. And since Board Apes have come out, there has to be in the four figures of copycat projects, right? You could just... Really? There's thousands yeah. of copycats? Now, I mean, there has to be dozens coming out every day since then. And it's kind of a indicative of the permissionless nature of the the thing, right? You can just spin it up, find an artist. Um, oftentimes these things are, you're just trying to get exposure in this really, really white hot market. And it's like, everyone's trying to look for the next board apes and the, the FOMO that comes with these things selling out in 12 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it might be is, uh, that's enough in the same way that like building this McMansion complex and posting cool, um, photos of the places gets people interested but when you move there then what do you do right what makes the thing what makes the this is actually an interesting comparison i've just moved from nashville to atlanta what makes one neighborhood more valuable than another it's like you can live in a beautiful house in a place that you wouldn't necessarily want to spend a lot of time right if you you do a 10 minute lap walk in any direction from where you live um if there's nothing that you want to do around you or there aren't like there's a community of people that are helping to like add value to that neighborhood doesn't matter how nice the house is right so it's a just a it's kind of a chicken and egg argument and anybody's interested in this should read the piece i'm probably leaving out some of the nuance that um these guys wrote up in there one of the other analogies they used when they were drafting it was deadwood you know do you know that tv show yeah HBO. I haven't actually watched it, but I think it's a, just an interesting comparison. If you think about what a settlement is, like if you're trying to build an environment where you want to attract people to spend time and raise, you know, develop an area economically, there's, there's no real different than doing that digitally. Only your competition is a hundred times, thousand times more aggressive because to move away from an area physically or like, right, it's a huge amount of effort. There's no but friction. these like Discord communities or, or, yeah, yeah, profile um, picture avatars that are supposedly investments. Like you can flick between a thousand of them in the months, and you're just kind of chasing the financial return instead of, you know, this symbol being, um, instead of this symbol being representative of this like ground up value creation system, which we talked about decentralized Disney. How can you get talent? to collectively make the IP more valuable. And that's like a cultural problem rather than a, you know, a shiny product positioning thing is built in from, from early on. How, uh, how much progress has Board 8 made in your opinion? I know that uh, there's been a lot of talk that we've seen on Twitter about like, hey, if you weren't flipping Board Apes for crazy gains, would anybody actually care? Like how, like how, can you talk about the, is the community stuff or like what are you thinking like have you seen anything substantive from the community of board apes yeah i mean they've they've done some interesting things around like 
people physically building networks around oh, big cities in the states have had physical meetups of people a part of that collection collection of people they've done a few collaborations with like metaverse companies so is like decentraland um places that are developing these like v experiences they're building rigged characters for 3d experiences in the metaverse i think like the speculation component is always going to be there and now they just kind of have to back that up it's like this really delicate dance of you know forecasting out what this thing is going to be or what the, where the roadmap promises to lead is no different than any startup right it's like you yeah. have this insanely high valuation and then at a certain point um there is some fundamental uh actually that there's a bigger component of it is like this unquantifiable status thing if it does cut this functional stuff that's fantastic but if the first one then there's cultural significance that justifies a certain amount of the too but if you come after that you have a way to climb okay jack so you're talking about uh comparing nft projects to like a startup and you've seen so many the fact that you told me there's thousands actually blows my mind <laughs> i was like oh cool it's like dozens of nft projects so thousands what are like five common quote-unquote milestones you might see in an nft project so a lot of them now are just sort of emulating the the board eight playbook, okay. which was airdrops. So one of the things you get to do when you have the addresses of everyone that's a member is they can create new art or new uh, tokens that represent a certain piece of utility within their network. But the board apes did the the dogs. Do you remember? We I think we talked about that, that on one of them. <laughs> yeah, I think so they they airdrop that, and there's already obviously network effect there. So they end up essentially airdropping tens of thousands of dollars to all their members, right? which is fascinating. And then they do like bits and pieces with wearables in metaverse, Decentraland, things of that nature. They then did mutants, which is like uh, another like semi airdrop, semi gamified thing where they created, I think we talked about that too. It's like two markets. Yeah. They drop these serums and then you get to decide whether you combine the serum with the ape you held or you sell it on the secondary market. So those things are like very much you know, send like make people hang on to their stuff because they're going to get more free stuff in the future, which is creative and can be executed well. But then, you know, the longer term stuff is like, how does this play out in the physical world? A couple projects are doing like really interesting things with like play to earn mechanics. And you look at like loot and all of those, like really like derivative focus projects where the value yeah. gets spread out automatically really, really fast by design. Um, then maybe there's like a, a token that represents the in-game currency or the, uh, the network's chosen currency. And then the price of that is driven by all of the value that people are creating in all these different places. So there's all sorts of different mechanics. Um, there is like this cliche that goes around where it's like, you know, when's the airdrop? When's the 3D game? When's the this, right? Because everyone okay, just sort of copying the same playbook. Yeah. But I think what's, what's fascinating is these, because we're, because we're early, like these first up, these first like set of communities and, and these guys make this point in the article, don't have any focus in terms of like who they attract and what they produce. So 
it's very, very different. It's like if you had an organization of 10,000 people that didn't quite know what it was they were producing, it's very hard to organize them against a goal. But over time, you'll get the design-specific DAO token, blah, 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 right? Where maybe they're producing, maybe they're building products together, right? And as those products scale and they um, get adopted, then that increases the value of access to this community or they like make a market between um, uh, like designers and people who need a specific type of design services. I think we talked about how VV might pull that off at a certain point. So how would you transition a business like Visualize Value into the metaverse or into a DAO? It's like, okay, if there are 1500 memberships, let's say you sell them as NFTs, it's a gated thing. Same thing Shiny Objects Club does. And you can then use the VV brand to bring opportunity to all of those people and produce design work that goes back out into the world and increases the footprint of visualized value. So you kind of have this, there's all of these different things you can use this as a, you could think of it as a membership to a value creating entity. And the more specific that like path to value creation is, I think, uh, I don't know that we're in a phase right now where it's just such um, like just being involved in it is valuable because people are just interested in it, right? It doesn't even have to have that specific of a de definition. But as a space matures, it feels like it, that you are going to have to start to justify why would I join X versus Y versus Z because the arbitrage opportunity of just buying the picture and then flipping it for a 10x profit, that's just not going to be here forever, right? That not markets will mature and that will that behavior will slowly erode. Well, I think that meme, Neil, I think that meme really crystallizes. Like, when's the airdrop? When's it? When's the metaverse game, right? So it's good, but that's a good to know, though. It's always good to know what, like, the kind of best executed things are. And then you can yeah. laugh at everything else. That yeah, it's like the well. Theranos of NFT projects, right? Like, when, when is this, <laughs> when's the 4D metaverse game going to be built? It's like, yeah, there's like four dudes running this thing that have never built a game ever, right? You know, to take the counter side of that argument, they also just raised a hundred million bucks and everyone in the world wants to be a part of this thing. So you can yeah, have yeah. access to talent in a different way. But, you know, it's uh, part of this is me commentating from a point of like pure inexperience, but it's just interesting to see how um, it's just like this magic combination of excitement uh, in a different way than like an angel investment would be, right? Because yeah. just like absent of any product or value being created, there is still speculation and the market is is getting bigger just because people see value in purely being a part of it and being able to display that they're a part of it. So that um, the argument in this article is like, it's going to need to turn into more than that over time for this to be sustainable and to also not give the market like a terrible name, right? I think probably dot .com was a similar deal. We have, a, I think we have a blah. I think we have uh, something good on the menu regarding giving the NFT market a terrible name. I don't know if we're ready to transition into. Well, that. yeah, maybe. Well, maybe we saved that for later for opens. Well, why don't we quickly talk about it since you brought it up? Yeah, I guess what happened in the last uh, week is that OpenSea came out and confirmed that I think he was a head of product, or there was someone, yeah, was, an, yeah. an employee there who essentially was front running announcements. Um, so they were going to feature an NFT on their homepage and he would he was buying it before, uh, you know, obviously Man. it gets pumped and uh, it's equivalent of insider trading, I guess. I don't know. Not illegal. Not, not illegal. Not illegal. Let's make it clear. It's not illegal. It's against okay. employee 
uh, handbooks. Policy, but most right. importantly, it's awful for the optics oh, of the space, right? Completely. I mean, that's yeah. the real problem here, right? It's not quote unquote illegal, but it's terrible for NFTs. Like, and it's not it's not illegal because the law hasn't caught up with exactly. this new world, right? Whereas at least, yeah, good they have a policy for that. But of course, um, yeah, that, that's a terrible thing for the space in general and for OpenSea as well. Yeah, what do you guys think of that? I mean, is this going to be... I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more of this going on, of course, in, like, in other companies as well. Um, it doesn't mean it's like completely rife and everyone's doing it, but um, it just seems like such a... I mean, if this guy was that senior as well, I mean, it's kind and of a ridiculous crazy, thing. That's crazy, dude. The head of product is doing that? Yeah. And also, I mean, you, you can trace this quite easily, right? Like, it's not... I think that's, I think that's an underrated part of the story is that like, yeah. you know, they're like, oh my God, the market's so... Uh, well, there's two parts. Let, let me tie one thing to this. Uh, also, earlier this week, uh, uh, there was a fake press release from Walmart that said it was accepting <laughs> Litecoin. Right? Yeah, we forgot Let's about, talk this. about this. <laughs> There's a fake press release that was saying that they accepted this, I mean, very underused coin that's been around for a while, Litecoin. And Litecoin, uh, the coin price went up 20%. A bunch of news outlets picked up this story. And uh, and then it, it, P, Walmart came out and said, no, this isn't true. Light, a Litecoin, uh, uh, you know, implodes or falls back down. But then, you know, there are two parts to this. So the reason why I want to tease out two parts is that the first reaction is obviously from the mainstream media that own zero board apes or NFTs. They're like, oh my God, crypto needs to be regulated. This is so irresponsible. And then the crypto people are just like, wait a second. It was all the media outlets that were reporting everything, right? Like Reuters reported it. And then like Business Insider and CNBC just took that Reuters uh, news piece. Did zero didn't verify. Yeah, yeah, didn't verify it and started posting it probably helped pump the price too. So what I'm trying to add is like, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying either. They're both kind of the whole they situation. They can both be, they can both yeah. be bad things at the exactly. same time. Yeah. And the reason I'm going to bring it back to the open sea thing is, man, let's make no bones about it, right? Like the phrase that Jack likes to use, no bones about it. The head of product for open sea, the largest NFT marketplace in the world, which did 4 billion in transactions in August, just, just to give a, uh, a framework. I'm, I think they did like 20 million last year, 20 to 100 million all of last year, right? And then they did 4 billion in August, something Insane. crazy like that. But the point being, okay, so you have the head of product of the number one marketplace for NFTs doing what is in effect insider trading, a terrible optics, right? But there is also the flip side is, you know, it's an open decentralized marketplace. Who tracked it down, right? It was people using the marketplace because everything is there. All yeah, the information is wholly transparent. So there's, again, there's both sides of it where the Walmart Litecoin story was like, okay, well, you can see how both sides are wrong, right? In the NFT story, you can see, well, actually there's more nuance to the story. There's other parts of it that if you actually, instead of just having this knee-jerk reaction, if you look at all the pieces of it, you're like, okay, well, there's actually a silver lining here, which is pretty clear, right? Yeah, well, I think it comes back to that old, um, the old kind of argument, like when, crypto first came around and there was obviously um silk road or whatever like the first thing majority of people would say is oh that's just used by criminals it's used for bad stuff and then when you learn more about it, you realize actually cash is used for a lot of bad stuff too that doesn't make cash bad and if anything this is more traceable than cash in, in cash most is cases. untraceable <laughs> exactly yeah it's just pieces of paper so um 
Yeah, again, I think the way you describe it is perfect there. Like both things can be true. Like it doesn't mean it makes it okay for this person to be doing this terrible stuff. And on the flip side, the media, as usual, are kind of pointing fingers and not realizing the hypocrisy in what they're doing themselves. Well, actually, I'll um, tell you one way that uh, you, well, I was wrong. Cash can be traced, but you can easily make it untraceable, right? So in Vancouver, where I live, there, there is like, there's a very, <laughs> there's a very significant uh, uh, money laundering scheme in Vancouver. Uh, and it involves, so you guys might be familiar. I'll, I'll look at the audience. It's like over the past 10, uh, 10, 20 years, Vancouver's real estate market is one of the highest in the world. It's up there with Hong Kong, Sydney, Australia, uh, probably San Francisco and New York, you know, some and London, like all these places that rich people want to live in, right? Um, a lot of the money comes from China, but there's another layer to it. A lot of the money actually is probably related to the fentanyl trade that China has. So you have billions of fentanyl money coming into Vancouver. And the way they wash it, so sketchy. And this, this is very different than like Ethereum or Bitcoin, which is much more traceable. So there's a bunch of casinos in Vancouver. So what these guys were doing, they'd walk into the casinos with hundreds of thousand dollars in cash. They'd exchange the cash for casino chips. And then they'd go around and play for a little bit. They might lose like a couple G's, but then after a couple of hours, you just swap out the chips for new tender. And this is like a huge thing. And then take all this, like a lot of it is fentanyl money and just buying up real estate in Vancouver. And I mean, here's the sick part is like my parents own a lot of real estate in Vancouver. So they're indirectly, <laughs> I'm indirectly, <laughs> you know, kind of profiting. <laughs> well, anybody Jesus. that's in Vancouver is, right? Uh, all the housing prices are going up. So like on the one hand, you're like, oh, this the is ways really of the wild bad. trunk. It's the ways and then of the on the other hand, trunk. you look at uh, the government assessment on your property, you're like, oh, that's kind of nice. I love our trunk always manages to bring the drug trade into into the conversation, but dude, it's, it's, uh, it's, everywhere, it's all it's all entwined, dude. Yeah, um, but... No, that's that's a really good uh, you know summary of what's been going on. Is there anything else on that? Because I think we had, I mean, a question from the Telegram group was from Ash, and he said, with the latest news and Litecoin shenanigans, what sort of regulations do we need for the industry so that it can thrive and not be spoiled by the bad few? I mean, we kind of touched on it there, but that's more of a regulation question. You know, I think it's also like some of this doesn't have to do with crypto. It's just like this, the liquidity of markets and information at this point, like GameStop, no crypto involved in that. That went absolutely <laughs> apeshit yeah. right? because the right people got the right message in the right place at the right time. And that's like my view on this is like you want to regulate any of this stuff, you're going to have to like start closing off parts of the internet. You're going to have to stop. You're going to have to like curtail yeah. what people are allowed to say and how far it can spread because that's where all this behavior comes from, Litecoin or dollars or whatever, like leverage on Robinhood. There's just as much crazy, like yeah, nutty uh, economic outcomes happening as a result of that than there is like, th this is clear, like probably somebody's like trying to, produce some liquidity to get out of some massive Litecoin position, right? So they just like fabricate a, uh, it's, I mean, it's clever as hell, obviously illegal, but clever. So you fabricate this press release. I think it was like walmart-corp.com. And then like probably some little PR agency is just like, oh, this is a massive deal. We've yeah. got like, they just have access to Newswire. They just post it up and off it goes. And like, I think a lot of people, a lot smarter than me have talked about this of like, disinformation and the speed of like you could do a deep fake of biden announcing that litecoin is going to be the like currency of <laughs> u.s freaking treasury right eventually at some point like 
that's what you're going to have to regulate, not how the markets work. And I don't know if you can or how you do that. I just think it's like the problem is an order of magnitude more complicated than saying, hey, we need to like do smart regulation on how crypto moves around because yeah. even KYC yeah, and all that stuff, it's not really about because the spike in that wasn't driven by bad actors. It was driven by bad information, right? Yeah. Well, it was what, what was driven by bad actors, the catalyst, but then the liquidity Spread. that went into Litecoin was yeah. just retail investors for the most part, probably. And or the right, right. powered by the yeah, media as well. I, was saying, I totally agree with Jack. Is, uh, yeah, I don't think it's specific. To answer the Telegram question specifically, uh, Bilal, who asked it? Uh, that was Ash asked that. Ash, and he was asking uh, about regulation, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I'm going to go kind of Jack's position here is uh, I don't think this is specific to crypto. I mean, yeah, everything that's going on of WSB, I mean, actually something very similar happened, not not in a negative or illegal way or not that we know of, but you guys remember well, two, three weeks ago, somebody predicted that uh, Amazon was doing something, a firm, and they just did it by digging up the URLs. They're like, oh, this amazon.com forward slash affirm is going to a website now. And they're like, this either means that they're going to partner with them likely, or maybe there's an acquisition. What well, the funny thing is that guy ended up not making the right trade. I think his futures uh, 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 option on it was off. He might've had other ones that might've paid off, but uh, somebody was saying, okay, we actually don't know if it was, uh, if this was uh, all above board, but if you're an Amazon employee, you could kind of, you know, Tell it to your friend or pass it down a couple, put it out there, and you know when the real announcement's gonna happen, but you want people in the WSB community to run it up, right? So you could have done it. We're not saying it happened, but it wouldn't be that difficult to see somebody potentially leaking that. And like two weeks later, they profit before the actual announcement comes out, right? Or it they just feels in, like they can put it in a position which won't look suspicious. Like no, no one has the resources to stay on top of this. Like not like there are no three led agency that can track the spread of information at the speed and scale it does now. Like, I mean, if Facebook and Google can't, how are they going to do it? Like they own the servers and the platform and the code. And like, you can't, it's, I think you've brought up a great point. It's just the task itself is nothing to do with crypto specifically. Crypto is just a part of, digital infrastructure and it's really about how do you regulate you know spread of misinformation which is way beyond well bad actors spread of misinformation insider trading like there's many parts to it yeah and who that, decides I, who decides that stuff too like did you see the portnoy stuff he did the the aoc post uh, he like was complaining about aoc at yeah. the met gala with oh, a tax and, and rick dress on and it got yeah, a little yeah, label yeah, so on it saying this this might lack context or be misleading. It's oh, like, he got labeled? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. he posted and a screenshot of that. He was like, what is this? And again, it's like, whether you agree with his opinion or not, it's like, what do you mean it lacks context? Every tweet that's ever been sent on Twitter lacks context, right? Every <laughs> single... That's by definition, yeah. Yeah, it's just the most ridiculous like thing to label it with. And uh, like... That it just feels like a you know somebody in the position to label that thing doesn't agree with it, so it's been labeled, right? Yeah. And I don't want to sound like I'm going like tinfoil hat <laughs> yeah, Alex red, Jones red over field, here. Redfield, Redfield section. But, <laughs> but that is like really getting into some weird territory, yeah, yeah. right? Where you say like this doesn't include context. It's like, well, who determines what the context is for a tweet? Go through my Twitter timeline. 
You should label every single every bro, single one without context. Don't tempt them, bro. Look at Trunk. Trunk's, I mean, the lesson here is don't be an employee or whatever. You can't get rich being an employee. That should be by those by those same definitions. That's oh, misinformation, like the shit policy, right? Policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, like, I do have a question. We'll, Sorry, go on. Go I was on, just going to say, man, the horse has bolted. The, the horse has yeah. completely bolted. It's left the stable. Unless you turn Twitter off, that's like this is going to happen more frequently more crazily like just entropy yeah. man it's going to be I crazy think the example you gave about the deep fakes is just another level like we're seeing like if people can't even verify something that is easily that you can easily google like the, another example in recent weeks is the joe rogan uh thing with his um what was the name of that drug that he ivermectin took? ivermectin right and a lot i think cnn and a few others reported he's taking uh what is it horse tranquilizer or something like yeah. horse tranquilizer something like for animals yeah. right and you should I probably forgot. bleep that out because we're gonna get yeah. like <laughs> freaking yeah. subdued we'll on get this Diva to talk yeah. about um but yeah so and and that's another example like he i heard him talk about it on his podcast where they were saying should he sue them because like the version he's taken is obviously for humans and he's been given to him by a doctor like oh his it's doctor. crazy man and it's and that was just taken by like real like proper publications um so the question i had for you trunk because you're technically a journalist i don't know if you count yourself as a I'm official not, journalist dude, i am not a journalist you're dude. a writer <laughs> right I do not, you're a writer that writes hold, for let me hold on let me make it very clear i've said this a lot there's no pretense that i'm a journalist journalists <laughs> okay. are okay. rare i am an internet commentator now okay like it that's but what hey, CNBC is going to be your title but listen jack you know trusted distribution listen if i'm wrong I want to tell people I'm wrong. Yeah. I source everything. If I write, if I, I'm going to throw it, man. You, you look at my sources. You tell me if it's dumb, okay? I'm Wikipedia. not going to say it's the word of God. But yeah. like, you know, like a journalist, if they write an article, like at the Times, they're going to have to have a, 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 a fact checker look at every single thing they write, right? Well, I was going well, to ask you, Trunk, is like you write a news, you, you write yeah, for but a I'll tell you actually the thing with the hustles. Like, so we base yeah. almost all of our writing off of uh primary research, like somebody like we'll write off like of an interview watch your journal a, a tech oh, okay. or a financial time you know it's just like you when you source them and you go like listen if there's a correction to me we'll obviously do it but like i'm not going out there doing original reporting right like you, uh, that's the difference so and just to clarify though from even just being exposed to it not as an official journalist but someone who writes about things going yes, on every day <laughs> you write like that you still probably have some level of having to double check stuff and Bro, like, you know sure i go not... deep in research man like here <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I see this shit it's so sloppy right and it's like and the, the, the idea that you need to be a quote-unquote journalist to do like basic googling research googling like, yeah exactly dude, just google literally like when people all people always ask me it's like hey man like how did you come up with s y and z or how'd you find this my like, dude it's literally like on the first page of the google results right it's like that's like <laughs> always the answer it's like it's like the eighth thing down i know no one looks after like the first two three things it's like go down a little bit more man it's there <laughs> i can't tell you that it's 100 factually true but I'm, I'm gonna link to it you make your own decision i mean that's the takeaway here right it's like uh, it ends up enough. being like you know the the forwarded whatsapp messages from your mom i don't know if you get this but oh my uh, god dude, I, my mom is in like a bunch of um dude. like religious groups yeah, and on whatsapp it. and she forwards a lot of stuff mom, man. sorry mom if you're listening <laughs> i don't receive your anymore let's go straight to spam yo <laughs> <laughs> but no the worst is obviously like sometimes it's not even about that stuff but you'll 
not to pick on my mom either, but she'll forward on stuff. And I'm like, mom, you shouldn't be forwarding this to people. This is like going to get people in trouble. They're going to get spammed and they're going to get like a phishing attack on their phone or whatever. Well, you know how and people are so concerned about like uh, under 15s as they should be on their phones? Bro, over 60s and the internet, <laughs> not a safe combination, bro. Not a safe combination. <laughs> <laughs> 60 might be a bit brutal but bro i uh I, the facebook generation i mean i was trying to figure out two-factor authentication my old man on his flip phone bro <laughs> like it's not it's not and this is not a criticism right it's just like they grew up i get it i get i get it i'm just saying man this look let me tie tie a bow on all this the whole point being if these people can't fact check a Litecoin Walmart announcement, it's like we're doomed, right? And I think this goes back to something Jasmine's saying. This is what trusted distribution is about, right? It's like, like I'm not ever going to say I'm the word of God, right? I'm not the New York Times saying we are truth. Like that's literally the advertisement, right? You should change your bio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are truth.e.com. Uh, but, you know, I think, and I think Jackson has touched on this before. It's like people kind of appreciate other individuals i mean if you can own up to flaws man that's that's like it's like nobody does it it's just like hey, if i'm wrong i'm gonna tell you i'm wrong i'm probably gonna have a great laugh about it too unless it really really harms somebody yeah for in real. which case i'll be very sympathetic um yeah, so trunk i think that brings up our next topic so this kind of ties into like publishing directly to people and you know like legacy media we've been talking about and then this new media where people are able to do what you're doing what like even for the hustle but even for yourself like you you both published frequently on twitter and elsewhere jack you shared that mirror post in our telegram group but uh, we also had a question from i don't know if i'm saying his name right ihor i h o r would love to get an intro to mirror what's possible what's not and how to win the race um how to build a community there now first of all before we answer that specifically could we give a primer on what mirror is i know we've mentioned it briefly in the yeah, past yeah. but just like what's special about mirror and why were you guys using it for this purpose so it's like a crypto native publishing platform it's the easiest way to think about it so a you know like a wordpress would have been in i don't know the 90s probably when when uh blogging got going i have no idea but this is like i think the best example of a uh it's essentially a blogging product or a publishing product where you can write blog posts to the ethereum blockchain you can mint nfts directly within mirror you can sell your writing as an nft you can crowdfund so i think this may have been before we started recording not investment advice i did a collaboration with um packy uh Mario Packy no? and Mario Gabriel. Yeah, we did a um a crowdfund for to design three NFTs and then we auctioned off the NFTs and we gave the proceeds of the NFTs back to the cra- people who crowdfunded it. So it's like a you know, it's like this fundraising platform, blogging platform, publishing platform all in one. They they're developing all these different modules that are just I think it's incredible. The one I dropped in Telegram is an addition so you can collect an NFT which has the graphic that I contributed and then it's attached to the writing that the other guys did. And, uh, that shows up in your wallet and it's like, a you know, a crypto Patreon slash WordPress. There's like really interesting stuff happening there. So anyway, to get onto mirror, this is really genius how they did this. They had this thing called the right race, which is, um, I don't know how they actually kicked it off in the first place. I think I joined around week eight, 
but you have to get votes from people who have right tokens. So they onboarded a few people, I'm presuming, who were either investors or big believers in what they were doing, who were writing content very specific to being a creator on Ethereum or uh, you know in crypto. And every week they have this two-hour window where you could vote people onto Mirror. And they have these integ- social integration with Twitter where you have to verify your identity on Mirror. With your Ethereum address, you connect it to your Twitter account. And then you can see you know, who's um, petitioning to get onto Mirror that week and everyone gets to assign votes to them. So the top 10 of people that get, anyone can enter, as long as you connect your wallet, you can enter. And then the top 10 that get voted for every week go through. And the votes are cumulative. So if you make 11, you keep your votes and then you go to the next week. So everybody comes back every week, uh, please vote for me on Mirror. And throughout the first like three months or so, it's everyone with clout in crypto, right? It's like, it's just a social graph of people who know each other. And that's why it feels like this like gated thing, but it also is a, did a huge service for their growth because everybody contributing was talking about the stuff that they are about, right? They understand the platform and the nature of it. So they got this really good critical mass going. And I think they're still running the same mechanic. It may be a different time a week now. So I think it used to be, oh no, Wednesday. Yeah. So yeah, they do it Wednesday afternoons. And uh, like every week now on a Wednesday, I get like 50 DMs. Like, please, can you vote for me in right race? Because everyone can track who's voted for who and how many votes you got. Um, so I'm assuming at a certain point, they're going to either take that restriction off or they're going to do a new mechanic, but it's, it's done a really good job of like growing it uh, by, uh, it's like a democratic system really, right? With some restrictions on how many people you let in at a time, but it, it like keeps the quality high early on. Do you know how many um, people they let on every week? 10. Oh, it's only 10. Damn. Yeah. So I think there are, they must be on like week 30 or 40 now. So there's a couple hundred or three, 400 publications on there at this point and uh you have to like write a little pitch that goes with you like what are you going to use mirror to write about yeah where where else are we going with this conversation that's what it is and then you can use it to like originally they were integrated with zora which is a nft platform they kind of have the ability to do additioned NFTs, which is, you know, you, you, you upload one and you can specify how many additions you produce. So that was what the Afghanistan relief uh, project we talked about was how that was done. Is it just a thousand additions of the same NFT? Uh, or you can do auctions or you could do these crowd raises. It's really a fascinating thing. There's parts of it that I'm not as familiar with, but you can also set up like tokens through there. So you could do a crowdfund and we could say, we want to do an NIA token with this crowdfund and proportional to your contribution, you get distributed NIA tokens and Mirror facilitates all of that. It's just like a WYSIWYG UI that you could just change a few values in, bang, the auction's up and uh, you're away. And then you can do all sorts of things on the back end with the token. That's a community aspect, yeah? Like you can build in all these community tools within this Public, Correct. Like, would you call it a blog? Like, is your media? Well, I think a publishing platform is probably platform. a better, probably a better uh, way to think about. Because I feel yeah. like blog, you think of like the traditional, you know, like 
blog uh, WordPress. Also but, not journalists. Just want to say bloggers are also not traditionally journalists. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, I just want to add, I, when I hear journalists, I'm thinking like, you know, like I, I hold New York Times the best of the best journalists in the highest regard, right? Like investigative journalists. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Jack, question I have on, on Mirror is, like it sounds really cool and you've used it for a bunch of experiments. If you were to like fast forward a couple of years and said, I wish they built out these features that I could use, is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I'm actually asked, uh, like I asked them a couple of weeks ago and they were already building this where you can mint on your own contract. So right now, if you mint nice. something, it'll say like mirror edition. So when it goes to the secondary market on OpenSea, it'll say this is a mirror edition. You can obviously uh. trace the, you could trace the origin of it and stuff, but Eventually, I'll say this is, you know, blue check, visualized value, visualized value contract. So now, like, like some of that artwork will be mixed in with other art that has been on, has been produced through mirror editions. So just like essentially making the tools more and more like sovereign or they don't like they don't get they don't get bulked in with mirror as a publishing platform. It basically gives you the infrastructure to create your own tokens for art. Um I think like the way you display your work as well will evolve. So right now it's like a, just a chronological blog, but I think, you know, for publishers or people that make all sorts of different things, yeah. I can imagine this being like the framework for what the web three personal website looks like, um, which obviously there's a lot of different ways you could slice that up. But I think there maybe a good way to think about it is like, their ambition or at least what i infer from what they're building how i think about their ambition is like it's like the shopify for digital content that is like crypto native i think that's where they're going like and i love the way it's designed the way it looks like there's a lot of care put into how it's built what is um, your url is it mirror vv.mirror.xyz okay uh and what was your pitch to get onto the platform I didn't have one and I was in like eight, week eight and then I just went on Twitter and like, Wait, I, how there did was you a get in so fast? You didn't even have to pitch? No, I just knew a few people that had votes. Oh, whoa, oh, whoa, it, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is this? What uh, is this, watch guys? Out. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's lobbying, there's lobbying in every, uh, in every uh, field here. <laughs> so I, I worked with Mario on that drop. I think that was the week before. And I was like, oh, this is cool as hell. I want my own thing. And uh, I said to Mario, like, can you vote for me in the in the race next can week? You tell me uh, what was special. I think, let's, why don't we pin it with this? Talk through what you did with Mario and how it's different than traditional public. What made it Web3? What made it, you know, this whole kind of whole crypto-enabled publishing? Yeah, it was, that was, that was so, like, a lot of fun. So we, like, we had these both separate entities i didn't actually know mario before this tom osman actually connected the two of us and uh he was like he was doing a um he was doing a report on the coinbase s1 so when coinbase was going public he wanted to do this massive generalist breakdown if you're not reading the generalist already go check it out it's badass um and he was like, oh, I want to do it on mirror and I want to make NFTs. And at that point in time, like, I think I was just after I'd started dabbling on foundation and like crypto native messages in NFTs. So Tom hooked us up and then uh, just a few tweets we put out like, oh, we're going to collaborate on this thing. We want to crowdfund some 
funds like i got paid a flat fee to make the nfts and then we're going to auction them on the open market and everything that they go for above and beyond what we crowd raise will be profit to the investors right um not investment advice i can't i don't think we promised anything and we shouldn't <laughs> have but we definitely didn't um but the idea being support this project and then we're going to sell these pieces and whatever we make will be will go back um so it was I, it was like a Thursday night or something. We tweeted it out the link, and it was like you could see this like little progress bar. And we were raising twenty Ethereum, and it just went like ding, 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 ding. And everyone was so excited about Mirror at the time as well. Just it it cleared in such a short amount of time in forty minutes. I think we raised twenty Ethereum. Um, oh my goodness, dude! Oh, that's six crazy. figures now. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. But you guys cash uh, that out, yeah? Uh, I just got paid my contribution. I don't know what happened to the rest of it. Um, and then we produced the article, the NFTs. We sold all the NFTs. I think we made 30 or something, maybe a little more than 30 off, off all of those. So we covered our costs and, and delivered some uh, upside back to everyone. Sick. And Sick. yeah, it was cool, man. It was, it's just like, it definitely, the one caveat I want to apply to across all of this is like, Web3 does not instantly make you able to like make money necessarily, but it does plug you into these networks that are way more liquid. Uh, like if we'd have put up a GoFundMe and be like, hey, we're raising 40 grand oh, to write an article, rocks. people would be like, kick yeah, rocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like there's something to do with this movement being at the point in time it is where people are like, oh, I want to be part of this. Like this is a, a world's first, like a crowdfunded article that's going to be hopefully reimbursed by nft sales um and yeah there's just something about i mean below you could probably attest to this too is like you just it's just a different you just think about it differently it's like you're kind of uh experimenting with money as opposed to investing it because we're so early in the space yeah. That's a nice way to put it hold your investment though let's make yeah. it crypto <laughs> is a long-term hold Bilal went in there being, he gave his <laughs> girlfriend, uh, his gave his partner the seed phrase and just said, you know what? Just hold on to this. It happens to <laughs> Save me. Save it for the this, kids. Save open, it for the open this in 40 years. You guys remember <laughs> Shawshank Redemption? Bilal's yeah. going to put that. Chipping away <laughs> in the wall. He's gonna, no, he's going to put that, laminate that piece of paper, put it under the rock. And then by the end, he's going to meet him in Mexico. He's going to meet Red in Mexico. <laughs> oh, my God. So, no, yeah. so Jack, on the mirror, no, that's really, I'm, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm still wrapping my head around all of that stuff because I've seen it in action. I've seen you guys do it. Um, I'm just trying to compare it to, you know, what, like, like you said, what already exists. Right now, you can't go on WordPress and, and fractionalize the article and sell it as an NFT, obviously. Right. Like, right. right that's right. basically what these guys are doing, which is incredible infrastructure. I'm just trying to think further ahead, um, like other interesting use cases of it. Like, have you seen any other people that you're like, oh, wow, that's a really creative way to use it? Or, oh, man, there's some crazy stuff that's been done on there. And I'm, so they did a EIP 1559 article to basically pay back the, I think, some of the developers that worked on it. I think I'm getting that right. And, you know, raised millions of dollars and had these beautiful collaborations with artists that made like these Ethereum themed like trophies, essentially, to mark this moment in time. That's a really cool use case of it, right? Where you're aligning it with something that's happening on that technology, using the technology to fund it. 
someone raised two million bucks to make an Ethereum film, like a documentary about Ethereum on Mirror. Um, there's also a there's also this there's some of them just escape me the complexity of them, but there's like a decentralized music label someone's building, and they had like different levels of access passes, so you can do like within one article or one. Think of it like a decentralized Kickstarter almost, but it has these like deep levels of functionality that you can embed at all these different levels. So you could um, you could run like three editions that are like say 500 each of like these are different rare like rarities. So X is priced at five Ethereum, Y is priced at three, and then Z is priced at one. And there's 200 of those each. You can collect whatever you want. And then you could have three auctions running in the same article that are just like highest bidder over the course of 24 hours. So you could do all these interesting mechanics for raising money. And then you can also add different levels of access based on what people collect. So you could be like a mega backer in the same way that like Kickstarter, you know, you get 10 of the thing and your name on the front and yeah. someone yeah, flies like around Patreon, to see you. You're or the producer if you go above a certain level or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like, I think it's just, um, it's unlike some of the um, platforms where it's like, this is how it works, come and use it. Like put your JPEG into this hole and then start an auction this is way more like, hey, here are all these blocks and here are all these features that you can essentially build a story with and use that however you like. Um, I think it should like, be a great Twitter thread, by the way. Just just FYI, if you went yeah. like, here, 10 things people did. I should, you. yeah. I should, but people are going to get so pissed off because it's really hard to get on there. Oh, yeah. fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. This but is it why, is a badass thing. And that's like, why it, I should do it because yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah no, that's but, really and, interesting and, yeah and i think uh you know i'm not i'm not for or against the mechanic that they've used to grow it because i think you know to be completely candid like i report little bugs with it as it's growing so it's not ready for like tens of thousands yeah, of people they probably to descend upon to be it at this scale for the moment yeah. so um yeah very cool piece of technology um i think and the team is just they're just like they're legends. Every time you get on the phone with them, they're like, they're really, they're, they're smart and uh, building it for the right reasons. It's cool. Yeah, yeah really. Head of, I mean, let's just say their head of product is not front running article. <laughs> <laughs> it's front running, getting Jack's NFT. No, I mean, I think it just shows, man, how early this stuff is. It's crazy because this, this is just like, honestly, even for me, I'm just like, like my head spinning a bit because I'm like, all right. Yeah, there's a lot. Going, there's off. a lot. There's a lot, on, but. That's kind of why we do the podcast, man. Because every day, every all I, week. All I remember is a hundred thousand dollars. That's it. That's all I, I heard. I think a hundred thousand dollars was thrown out there at some point in the last ten minutes. It's probably worth three hundred thousand now because yeah, it was exactly, when it right? was like one third of the price. All right, boys, let's move on because I know that was really, really uh, interesting. Um, we've got a few more things to cover off before, uh, but before I do that, was there anything else before I move on? No, maybe uh, you no, want to rip good. through the Web3 bullet points and then we can finish. Yeah, I was just going to do this real quick though. Jack, uh, well, what's the Web3? Oh, resources. Yeah, Jack, one of the questions we got from the group is um, Tico asks, any resources you'd recommend for a newbie to understand the world of Web3? Obviously, this podcast is number one on the list, but apart from that, 100%. what else? <laughs> Kevin Rose, Bankless. Kevin, yeah, Kevin yeah, Rose, Kevin. Bankless. 
Yeah, and Kevin Rose have got a podcast called Modern Finance, I think it's called, yeah. right? Really it's amazing. The, I'm loving that class. podcast. And he's, and then he's like, a boss. And then just um, most of the stuff that I've um, consumed that has stuck with me has been Twitter. So I, I published a little thread. I think I got it pinned right now. That's maybe 20, 25 people and threads to read. And then like when you get deeper, like the bankless and the modern finance stuff is going to give you like, oh, the you depth pin, of you knowledge. Pin something on your profile? Yeah, just oh, a collection of like Web3 oh. resources. Um, That's perfect. All right, there's definitely question answer. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll even share that in the Telegram group as well. We can reply to the comment there. And if you're listening and you're not still not in it, you're missing out. So uh, make sure you click the link in the comments below and join us in Telegram. In the future, we might not be able to just keep it open like that. So we'll, we'll just yeah. join it while we can. And we'll, it's been a lot of fun because we opened up comments recently. People going wild, saying some mad things in there. I love it. So It might be um, NFT gated soon enough. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or it might move. So uh, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll have to see. Yeah, keep, keep, right. keep on their keep feet. Keep on their toes. All right, boy, Jack, I'm just going to share my screen. You were trying to rile up the internet here, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, can you see this? All right, and yeah, if you're ahead. listening on audio, um, you can see this is Jack. He just put this out today on the day of recording uh, Duplicate, and it's a board ape in the background. I'll just let you, I mean, look, a lot of your art, a lot of your stuff you're doing nowadays is social commentary and mm -hmm. like capturing a moment in time. So like talk us through what this is, man. So the board ape thing, we talked about it a bunch on this podcast. What makes it different is you have commercial rights to use your ape, to resell your ape if you own it. So this project, if you're listening, um, you can find it on Twitter or on uh, vv.mirror.xyz. It was called Duplicate, and it's basically experimenting with the idea of derivative artwork. So I bought this ape in early May. So the, the project minted in April. <laughs> project minted in April. I it's bought it in Trump. May. And uh, there's an article I wrote what the experiment is. It's like, so if you're able to make derivatives of this thing, if they're clearly derivatives, right? You can't just, actually, you know what? You could sell a t-shirt with that artwork on it as long as you own it. You don't have to modify it whatsoever. But to sell an NFT of the exact same image, I think is a little bit uh, egregious, right? So this is a derivative <laughs> because it's, a uh, very, very clearly marked copy of an original. So I put these duplicate like warning labels over the top of this thing. And my thesis was, you know, is anybody like all the experiment, the hypothesis I should say that I was testing was like, would anybody be want to buy this thing if it's a clear copy, right? It's like if you had a, uh, you know, a fake Rolex or a Gucci bag that had like a sticker on it that said, this is fake, this is not real, this is a duplicate. Uh, is that still valuable? I played with some of the mechanics of it. So I, I made the artwork, minted it, made 69 editions available just because, you know, crypto <laughs> culture demands that you sell 69 of anything and set the price to 0 0.0, which was the mint price of the board apes. So I was just playing with a bunch of different mechanics, like the ability to re like, oh, play with the commercial rights you have for the ape to expand the network of this thing without diluting it. You know, is the Did intention. You have you sold? They sold out in an hour. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, how, what's the total? How much did you make? 
five and a half Ethereum. Yeah, nothing crazy, but just like, oh my God, dude. Uh, you, when you were talking, though, it's like kind of what Virgil Abloh would do, right? He would right. take the exact same thing and just like, eh, exact things we talked about. 3% rule, right? Yeah, change it 3%, make it still recognizable, but then add the humor, right? I mean, I think you nailed it. I think Virgil Abloh would be very happy with what you did here. Uh, let's hope, let's try and get uh, Virgil if you're listening. Uh, I got some more apes, and you can you can use <laughs> Yo, them. Yo, Virgil, you, you can want. have them, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's hilarious, man. Uh, okay, so this when did you do that? When did you launch that one? Three four hours ago. Oh my god. Okay, to summarize, <laughs> Jack just sold duplicate board apes that he bought in May, which were a lot cheaper in May than they are now. Uh, it sold them. Sold out 69 of them in a few hours. Okay. Wait, so has anyone, have you got any crazy comments and uh, people annoyed at you yet? Like what's the situation or in the Bored Ape Discord or anything like that? No, I mean, I, there's like, I've been watching the culture of it and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people that make the derivatives first time, of right? it. It's happened, but not in this exact format where you have multiple editions of it, right? Where oh, you'd man. have like, we're going to take one and then we're going to modify it somehow. We're going to like render it in, stone or steel or something so i think what i'm trying to play with or show people is like if you're part of this network you could basically recoup your investment by creating um derivatives of this thing you bought and like obviously there's a social commentary piece to this there's some element of it being first or interesting that that and the fact that you have distribution that, that makes it possible to sell it but fun experiment man um Jack, can I ask a question? Because you last year, you you obviously had like visu- visualized value courses and like all the stuff that you built up originally with your visualized value brand. You still got that going, right? Like it's on the side. Yeah, it still you, runs. Yeah. You like compared to doing that to this, like how is the feeling for you? Just as someone who's like a lean individual team. Well, I know Celia, your wife, yeah. works with you on it as well. But I'm just curious because like like I, I met you when you well both of us met you when you were doing that and or like focused on that and it's been this transition and it's just like from knowing you a bit it seems like all you want to do is like be this one-man media company basically and like create stuff right like you're a creative person so i'm just curious like between that that evolution like what's the difference and how has it been for you making that kind of transition you know it's funny it's like there's some of the same principles apply it's like all of the stuff that was codified in the visualized value stuff is like, this is just the same stuff on rocket fuel. Like it's like yeah, reapplied. A, oh my yeah, God. The, the exponential application of it is really like nutty. Um, and I think we talked about this before, but I was like, you put everything into a curriculum that you've learned over the course of 10 years. It's like, where do you go from there? Like uh, we still, um, LinkedIn is an example of where it's like way more in a, like that's old narrative is still running where you talk about the like design and productization. And then web three is like this beta testing skunk works thing on Twitter. That is like, you know, the foundation for maybe the next phase of the business. And I think web three actually makes some of the things that were really difficult about productizing yourself or finding opportunity on the internet you can tap into these networks that are already like cash flowing and attention like just magnets so they complement each other but it's not immediately obvious that they're complementary but 
the feeling of like doing something that's completely new, obviously, is way more engaging and interesting than trying to break through the noise with a uh, a product that is like has been emulated a hundred times already. If that makes sense, like that market yeah, got to such a, a saturation point, and there's like a lot of VC money in that world now of like online education, and they'll outspend you and out like build you and all of these things. All of those products, I still hundred percent put my name behind everything in there and i think web3 is like this exponent that you can add on top of that that's even more make makes all of it even more powerful yeah i love it well remember lebron won his first two chips in miami <laughs> goes back to cleveland wins one and then goes to la so jack right now is in the cleveland phase of his career <laughs> already won the chips with vv which he still puts 100% the entirety of his name behind. But now he's exploring the Cleveland phase of his career. He just he just moved to Atlanta instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you come Wait, back on, to New on, York, on, it's going to be Wait, uh, the you... Lakers season. Wait, Jack, are you full-time Atlanta now? Yeah, temporarily, yeah. Oh, so when you... Oh, oh okay, cool. Well, well how temporary? Yeah. Uh, until we figure out what we're going to do. All right, man. Vancouver, so, dude. You got a really vote in the great... comments below. Where should Jack, yeah, vote. Where should Jack move? You want Where a Jack good place next? to uh, exchange your <laughs> cash for casino chips? Come to Vancouver. Yeah, perfect. Uh, all right. Um, what's next? What's next? All right. We got a few more things. Yeah, that was definitely. I mean, that was also G G J Sequera. We got some cool sounding names in our group chat, by the way. Uh, that was uh, his question answered. He was asking. Is does Jack just like playing with fire? So uh, on the duplicate. So yeah, let's let's wrap it up with a quick roundup because I know we, we already talked about OpenSea insider trading already. Um, there's a couple other things on Apple and Miami Coin and Mayor Suarez. Let's do the the Miami Coin one really quickly because I know we want to do a full episode on on that and bring the City Coin right. person on. Um, but well, Jack, do any of you? Speed on that. Yeah, Jack. Do you know yeah. what happened in the last like week or so? Yeah, so uh, let me give a non-technical explanation of what I understand that happened. So um, CityCoin is like a project built on Stacks, which is like the smart contract infrastructure for Bitcoin. So like as, I don't know if they would describe it as an Ethereum competitor, but essentially it's this thing that makes Bitcoin programmable. So Stacks is the token and then CityCoin has a relationship to stacks. So there are very like technical layers in between these two things, but the first city coin to launch was Miami coin and you could stake stacks to earn Miami coin. So this is like a Incredible. vote with your wallet moment, right? It's like you yeah. believe in the growth of Miami as a city, you can, you know, put capital behind that bet. And as a function of the yield that is earned from that staking again we'll get the guy on to explain it in detail there is a i think a 30 percent of that yield is is automatically routed to a wallet that is reserved for like the the city of miami treasury so as a staker like that's completely transparent for everyone involved in it financially and the the sort of goal of the protocol is like can we get a city to pick up the bag is the term that they use. Like you basically tell them we have 5 million bucks Love waiting it. for you in this, uh, in this account custodied. All you have to do is vote to claim it. And there's obviously layers of government. It's not just like one person's decision, but I think 
Suarez a month ago like stated his intention to use the funds, and then it went through all of the requisite layers of approval, and he signed a signed an executive order yesterday, I think, where it's like, yeah, Miami is going to use this money and commit it to making Miami the capital of capital. That's the line they're using. Like, going to be crypto friendly. We're going to like capital, invest it capital. in ways. Yeah, that's going to bring <laughs> talent to Miami, and obviously, we know among the the people that we listen to and read, uh, like Miami is having this resurgence based on a lot of different factors. But Mayor Suarez is playing this role of like the CEO of a city. And if you read some Bellagi and these people that have been speculating on the future of um, how this stuff's going to work, then like these decisions, like a mayor of a city is, is going to be akin to the CEO of a startup in, in a lot of ways. And um Protocols like Miami Coin let you bet on mayors and cities that live there. That's really crazy. That's interesting. I'm just going to quickly share my screen for one second because um, this was Ryan Hoover, the founder of Product Hunt. Let me make sure this is the right screen. Can you see my Twitter screen? Yep, yep, yep. So it says up there on Miami Coin. And this was August 31st. So it's a few weeks ago. Uh, by this point, but he said since August 9th, my nine and a half thousand stacks around 13 and a half grand turned into 48 grand via mining. Oh. The best part, I can stack MIA to earn another 20,000 stacks, 30 grand per month. What the hell? All right. So I've saved this and I might have even shared it in this, in the group chat. I can't remember, but um, I don't fully understand what, how you do that, but I want to know. We we'll need get, we'll get Patrick. Patrick will do an episode. We'll get him on. He's um, so he I'm was gonna uh, save, he's at freehold. Yeah, amazing. I'm going to save that because the that sounds crazy. Like I don't understand. That sounds too good to be true, almost. And um, and what I'll do is I don't know if we'll get him, but I can ping Mayor Suarez too. I've spoken to him before. We were supposed to do a podcast together. Holy, and, let's go, buddy. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, he's he's quite hard to get, and he does like 15 minute interviews, which I kind of which I'm not a fan of, but we'll do it for him if he can do it. So uh, let's see if we can get him on too. Maybe we can do a double episode double, with, yeah, yeah, with yeah. those that two to get, their, to get both their perspectives. Anyway, um, that is crazy, man. I mean, if just stepping back for a second, just this basically means people can, like as a mayor of a city, you can not only be pitching, essentially pitching um, the citizens, you're then going out to the world on the internet or whatever, the way he's been doing and saying, if you want to benefit from us building Miami oh, up or building in Vancouver up. It, yeah, fanfit, fanfit. Like that is, <laughs> I mean, I'm curious to hear like what people think about that. Is that like capitalism going too far or is it kind of like just the evolution of what's already happening? Um, really, really cool idea either way. And it's cool to see him just leaning into all of this stuff. He's, he's been killing the game. Yeah, um, I mean, this, I don't want to draw the comparison to Litecoin in a negative way, but it's like this is the 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 liquidity of information and trends and markets on steroids, right? It's like this city is growing, and this is story that you're like captivated by. How ca like, and you believe it? How can you own a piece of that upside in the same way that like, oh, that startup looks interesting, or you know, this commodity you believe in, like. It's just the implications of it are pretty nuts. And Citycoin is like they're figuring out which city they're gonna they're gonna do next. 
So and I think New York's on the board, San Francisco. Um, well, Austin, New York probably. needs to change their damn rules first before before that. Oh, right, they've got right. some, they, they're the only state to not allow certain crypto stuff, I think. Um, the other thing is I would love to see, and maybe this is part of the plan, I'd love to see them kind of rewarding actual residents too. Like if you're a citizen, like if you live in Miami, your kids go to school in Miami, you or you've lived there forever, um, whatever. Like there should be certain ways for them to benefit from that as well, because not everyone's got 10, 15, 50 grand to be putting into this sort of stuff. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make any false claims, but I think that part of the pitch is like with these funds, you could essentially like subsidize tax in in these cities for a lot of people or you could you know put it into whatever social program makes the most sense to develop talent and education and things of that nature so i think obviously to just keep the benefits of this to like the small sliver of like tech bro society that's invested in it would probably be a bad execution i think yeah for sure get people on board by using it to elevate people that wouldn't have access to the investing opportunities through something like that but are gonna definitely contribute to the economic growth of the place and also i mean imagine you could reward people for like volunteering in a community like i mean you obviously want people to do stuff like that for other reasons as well but just there's so many interesting applications of something like this it's pretty it's pretty wild man all right um let's move on because i know we're hitting time soon um let's wrap it up with apple i know they had an event this week um, by the time people listen to this, it was a few days ago. Um, what I mean, the summary I saw is the iPhone is probably very similar to last year. But Trung, you said that you had a few interesting things on Apple. What, what came to mind for you, man? Yeah, again, iPhone is on number thirteen now. I think uh, I think everything gets lost. People know that Apple is the biggest company in the world, biggest private company, and it's worth like two point five trillion dollars. It's almost. It's almost unfathomable how successful the iPhone is as a consumer product, right? It's probably the most successful consumer product in the history of mankind. There will never, ever be something like it again. They've sold over a trillion dollars of iPhones. If you just think about that, right? They'll sell, I think, it's 150 mental. billion this year. For all the jokes of, oh, it looks the same as last year, I think uh, Wedbush Security says 250 million people upgrade. Like, think about that, right? That's it's insane. Crazy. Um, and their installed base of iPhone is a billion. So a billion iPhones are installed right now. Uh, not to say that everybody has bought the new one, but the old iPhones start circling through the ecosystem, right? Like somebody in Vietnam will have a iPhone 6 or somebody in Nigeria will have an iPhone 7, right? And actually it, the iPhone is such a status symbol that in a lot of these emerging market countries, the richest people will all have iPhones, right? It's a luxury item. If you're the top 1% of any country in the world, you're probably gonna have an iPhone. And so in the last few years, though, it's like, what can the iPhone, like, like it, it, the form factor changed a lot in the early years, right? And like the camera keeps getting better. And that, that's kind of where it's at right now. Like the main selling point for any iPhone at this point is like, how much better is the camera, right? It's like, and the camera this year is supposed to be insane. But they also added better uh, computing uh, processing power. Not that people really need it. It's not like you're doing heavy stuff on your phone. And then uh, they extended the battery life by two and a half years. Um, and... Uh, the reason why I want to talk about it was... Wait, sorry, two and a half years? No, sorry, two and a half, uh, sorry, two and a half hours. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, thought you, I thought you were referencing like the fact that every time there's an update coming up, it starts to die on you. Yeah, they, they, got, they got pinged uh, on that, right? Yeah, a big yeah, thing yeah. that happened with uh, Apple was that uh, 
that uh, obviously uh, in the early years, people were changing their phones out like once every uh, year or every two years. Now it's like once every four years. So it's a bit slower. But uh, anyways, uh, this is a long-winded way of saying let's get to the jokes. So <laughs> uh, hilarious memes, man. Let me pull some of these memes up. Oh, my God. It's so good, dude. I actually wrote this with uh, Parikh Patel, our old friend on Twitter. All right. So here's the new iPhone. Um for people that see it, there it is, right? Again, uh, the cameras, the new camera is pretty crazy, souped up. Uh, but somebody put this great tweet out. Uh, Halid camera showed how the camera has changed over the last eight models. You can see the, it started off iPhone 6 for those listening. It's like a single circle. And now it's just, it's just getting crazier and crazier, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like Mac so, 3. <laughs> yeah, so the meme started coming out. It's so funny. This one killed me, dude. It's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Spider-Man. It's a picture of an old and uh, so there's one of oh, the yes, Spider-Man meme. Everybody pointing at each other. It's like every phone's the same. This other one killed me though. Like I always buy my my dad's the same. Like he like my dad That's at this best. point. He like he likes his one or two different type of shirts, right? So this meme is like a, a dad that's wearing a a green plaid shirt. And then the present that he gets is uh, another green plaid shirt. <laughs> it's literally just like the so iPhone good. is like, it, what's the real upgrade here? And then uh, there's some funny ones. Yeah, but the camera is so good. Yeah, this is the one I want to laugh about. Um, so I did a meme here. It's uh, the famous uh, disappointed cricket guy. So uh, if, if, if for those not familiar, there's a meme of a cricket dude that was extremely disappointed by a play on the pitch. It's become like the internet's go-to meme for like dude that's disappointed. But the funny thing is uh, I uh, I posted the meme and I just put Steve Jobs' face on it. Yo, Jack, how's that... Uh, How's that Photoshop, by the way? The light, everything's good. Lasso tool. <laughs> yeah, magic, so really, magic lasso tool. It's literally just a Steve Jobs watching the Apple event and seeing all the stuff he would have said no to, just super disappointed because of how the cameras just become so unwieldy. But the funny thing is, man, I turn on my phone and Sareem Akhtar, the subject That's of hilarious. the original meme, retweets the Steve Jobs meme. But... uh. I was well, going to well, say, when, he, when you showed that picture of him, I said he, I was thinking in my head he must be a Pakistan, Pakistan cricket fan because uh, always disappointed, but he probably is Indian, to be fair. No, he's because, Pakistani. Uh, oh, he's Pakistani. All right, because his name <laughs> sounds Pakistani, but he could be like a Muslim Indian yeah. as well. Well, yeah, actually, anyway. so I have, a, uh, I have a couple questions for you guys. Just more on, uh, I'll ask you guys a couple questions about iPhone and uh, the most insane product ever, a consumer product. And then I'll finish with a thought about the future of Apple. Okay, so will you guys buy the new phone? I probably will because I'm due an upgrade and I didn't last year. And I'm basically going to pay a similar amount. So I'll probably just get it. And what about you, Jack? I don't think so. I think I got the 12. I don't know what I have. This The one with the three on it. Yeah, exactly. At this point, nobody, but that, that's a joke, right? It's like you don't even know You don't anymore. even know the difference. Oh, yet. mine's 11. Celia just corrected me. And that's fine. It's doing the job. <laughs> Yeah, so exactly. I'm, I'm gonna right? keep it. Yeah, I'm on they're the iPhone a, upgrade program. That's the way they they get you in a little bit because you. Well, they're gonna do a super bundle. That's what people are saying, right? They're just gonna they're gonna charge you 100 bucks a month. Like it's probably coming. They charge you 100 bucks a month, and you just get a new phone every two years and a new laptop every two years. And it's an incredible waste. It's an incredible waste. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would be. It's insane, right? Especially a laptop. Um, like you don't need a laptop every two years. Oh, you don't even need it remotely. But I'll tell you yeah. the interesting about. About Apple, you know, how like five years ago, everybody's like, oh, uh, what is Apple going to do after the iPhone, right? Like Apple's done. 
They don't have anything after the iPhone. People forget that these guys are printing a hundred bill a year and profit, right? They're going to figure it out. But like, so if the next wave of computing is augmented reality, I don't know, you don't have to believe it, but if you do and you think the next wave of computing, the platform is, is augmented reality, just no one is better placed than Apple to win that because Think, think about, I, I talked to a tech guy, his name's Robert Scoble. He's a tech journalist, been in the game a long time. And he just broke it down. He's like, think about uh, if you're building a competing kind of like the Facebook Ray-Ban eyeglasses, that's not meant to be AR, augmented reality, but that's kind of their product. He's saying like, if you're going to build that in the AR world, look what you're going up against. A billion people have an iPhone. So this is the huge advantage that Apple gets to do. These people also have AirPods and watches. So Apple gets to offload all the computing power that you would need in the glasses onto these things that people already have. So the competitors are going to have to put all the compute into the glasses, make it heavier. It's going to make it more expensive. And then Apple just gets a rule because everybody already has their equipment, right? And uh, AirPods and watches were all just kind of the lead up into this. But that was kind of like, for me, I was like, oh, it's a no brainer. These guys are going to own the AR, it's just like, it's well, not even I think, close. Trung, the other thing to add is like, just the one is the scale and the money, obviously. But the other thing is just like the brand compared to the others. So like yeah. Facebook, I mean, Google had Google glasses, right? I remember I was there when that happened. And it was like, there was that meme or whatever where people would call you like a glass hole or whatever. Yeah, for, I, I never wore it on the street. I just tried it. And, and honestly, the idea was pretty cool. Like when you see the... The video for it originally it was like you're walking down the street and if it wasn't if it didn't look so douchey like you're if you're <laughs> on a bike and and you can just see a little ar thing giving you directions yeah and then you can be listening to nia podcast in the corner and then like move yeah. it back and forth with the head movement that's incredible right but like they i remember uh the team who was working on it at the time um they partnered with like some fashion designer or brand uh probably both and uh yeah it was it was like that was the part that you can't just copy and paste you know what i mean yeah. like google makes like you know android devices are incredibly successful in their own way but for something like this this is you need to go for the high end first because it's luxury it, like it's exactly luxury. yeah and you can't just like partner with the um, dvf and be like oh now we're luxury yeah. do you know what i mean and that's let, what they were trying a, to do let me give a thought by the way so Go amanda on. rosenberg yeah that's who i was thinking of yeah she worked, she worked on the google on glass team right is that uh yeah. who sergey brink got his hand caught in the cookie jar with <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you <laughs> as reported people, by listen, vanity fair yeah, yeah yeah you guys you guys google that i don't have to tell you what went down man you guys google <laughs> sergey brink google glass team but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know okay my uh, last thought my last thought I wanted to jump on Bilal's comment was, uh, so Robert, uh, the, this tech journalist, he actually said there's one competitor in the space, actually. It's Tesla. Who's got oh, the consumer that's interesting. brand? Yep. Who's got the eyewear, I mean, vision technology? No one's got better computer vision than Tesla. That's interesting, yeah. And they they're understand. doing self-driving cars. Yeah, so there you go, man. That's interesting, right? Not that, I don't know if that, but listen, if they need a $100 billion run rate product and everybody's going to be wearing glasses, it could be Tesla, man. And then, sorry, the last thing I was going to say, that was Google. The second one, really quickly, is Facebook. Like, I don't know how that's going to go down with theirs, but like, people are already scared about an iPhone, uh, Facebook app listening to you. And yeah. then they're like, post online, like, oh, it's listening to me. I saw an ad for XYZ. 
So I, I just think that's another form factor that is going to be difficult for them to nail given those um, privacy implications. I don't know, man. But yeah, I think Apple are definitely best place to, to make the most of that, man. And they'll yeah, make they it look cool. Sort of be like, hey, nothing to do with us, right? Facebook is like delivering the content so you get way more scrutiny. Yeah, exactly. Plus they're doing all this iOS updates to block block all these guys anyway. So uh, yeah, so Trung, you also said you had some thoughts on Apple to wrap it up or what, what, is that what you were thinking about? Yeah, that was it. Just uh, the glass there and, uh, yeah, amazing. and, and Tesla. Um, that's it, Love man. it. That's all I had to say. This hey, is it. Tr- we hit. Hey, Trung, I have a, one last question for you. Yeah. I saw this tweet earlier this week about Apple is a bank disguised as a SaaS, disguised as a hardware company. Uh, do you have any insight into like how much money they're making off the business of money? Oh, uh, it's 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 a drop in the it's a total drop in the bucket. It's not even yeah. yeah it's the iPhone is just like it's like six percent of their money, right? It's like even the even the well, let me answer this by saying this: four or five years ago, people thought, oh. Apple is going to become a services company, right? And as part of this narrative is the payments thing. But I think a stat came out that less than 5% of people use Apple Pay that own right. the iPhone. Right. It's right. Uh, It still is just a mat. Like they're, they're just a pure cash making from the hardware. The services business is large. You make a lot of money, tens of billions. But for them, that's still a drop. In right, right, right. Which is what's so insane, right? Um, and I think uh, if they're really going to capture that next – and what – with all these app store rulings that are coming out, they're going to lose more money from the app store. So we'll see what happens. But uh, actually I did, they, I did have shoot. one. No, go ahead. They're probably going to be fine. Yeah, they're going to be fine. I did have one last comment. Actually, this was, <laughs> this was the comment. Um, so Warren Buffett has a terrible reputation in, in, in tech, right? So he missed, so he knew uh, Bill Gates really well in the nineties and still never invested in Microsoft. He just couldn't wrap his head around the business model, right? Sounds like me and you on board eight, mate. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Basically no, the same thing. <laughs> Warren Buffett not investing in Bill Gates is actually kind of crazy. Like he knew him really well from the early 90s, right? And probably left hundreds of billions, honestly, if he's going to put in big money. But uh, but what's funny is that, and this kind of gave me comfort in the sense, not that you're that I'm Warren Buffett, but like you just have to make a high conviction that one bet right one time. So in 2016, Apple put a, a 30 to $40 billion position. No, Berkshire Hathaway put a 30 to $40 billion position into Apple. I think now, including dividends, they made $150 billion, like made, like their position is so up $150 billion. It's probably the greatest tech investment, pure public market tech investment ever. And this is a guy that waited until he was 80 years old to do it. You know what I mean? And, uh, Eating a hamburger a day from McDonald's, man. What yeah. <laughs> With a full fat Coke. <laughs> exactly, dude. So it's just the Chicken idea of like somebody that never invested in tech has probably made the greatest in tech investment ever. There's something to chew on. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, yeah, I love it. A great way to wrap it up, man. Yeah, chew uh, Jack, on that. anything else? Anything else before we no, wrap that was up? That a good... Uh, no, I'm just going to derail it from here. So let's call no, it. That was solid, man. I think that was really fun. All right. So if you made it all the way here, thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Investment Advice. Uh, like and subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure you just hit the like button. I know so many of you send us messages and say uh, what you're liking about it and how you can help and stuff. That's just the best way. Just like, comment, make sure you subscribe across all the platforms. Share it with your friends. Share it in your group chats. That's the only way uh, we can keep bringing this to you every, every week. So uh, thanks again, and we will see you on the next one.
Awesome. Thank you, brother. Peace. Awesome.